Good morning, Mill City. Okay, don't don't let me have to get New York on you. You know what I'm saying? Don't let me get New York on you. Yes, I'm a New Yorker. Proud to be from New York, where we drink coffee. And we talk like this. We talk with our hands all the time. I am uh, grateful to be here. I'm Donna Johnson. I'm the newest pastor, the associate pastor of care. Still trying to figure that out. I've been here a few months, and I am grateful for the staff that I've had the privilege to work with, Pastor Steph, Pastor Mike, um, Adobe, uh, Sharon, Brooke. Now I feel like I'm giving thank you to, and my producer, and um, my agent, my mom, my dog, my kids, my, uh, yeah. It's, it's an incredible team to work with, so I've been grateful for the opportunity to be here at Mill City and to be able to um, just be here and be able to serve in this capacity. Um, we have been in a series called Hindsight is 2020, sort of looking back through the book of Matthew. And I hope you've been keeping up on your reading because we're going to have a test at the end of the month. So you want to keep up on your reading, right, Pastor Mike? There's going to be this big test. Big test. So looking at Matthew... Uh, through the eyes of the Old Testament, the prophecies, that of uh, the fulfillment of the prophecies. So Michael, a couple weeks ago, he said, if we were to look back over our lives, where do we see God at work that was hard to see at the moment? And what I mean by that, there are sometimes that we go through things in our life that we honestly, we just, we don't really get. And in hindsight, it's like, oh yeah, I get why I didn't get that job. I get why I didn't marry that person. I, I get why I didn't move there. I get why, well, maybe for some people, you're still trying to figure out why you moved to Minnesota. Seriously. Weeks like this. What, what, what were you thinking, God? Stephanie also talked about last week, the kingdom of God being the headline news and she shared these three stories that were part of a list of headline news in 2019. And we voted on the top three. And we voted, and I think the one that got the, the biggest uh, response was the person who slapped someone. That was like headline news for us. That was like big. I don't really get that. The 82-year-old woman should have won. I'm going to tell her that. She actually should have won. She was 82, and she beat this intruder because she was a weightlifter, and the intruder didn't know that. That was headline news. But one challenge she gave us, she said, are you trusting the Lord with the help of the Holy Spirit? Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to bring your word to my friends here. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help me to get out the way and that you would just speak through me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So the question of the day was, have you ever waited a long time for something that was promised to you? A promise that did not come to fruition, and you looked forward to it. And you actually may still be waiting. Have you been promised something that you did not get or you're still waiting for? At 16 years old, I was promised a leather jacket from my mother. This was the late 70s, the early 80s. I wanted to be cool. I wanted a leather jacket. It has been 40 years. <laughs> and every once in a while, the leather could come up, something leather, something about a coat, and I'll look at my mother and I'm like, do you remember that jacket you were supposed to get me when I was 16 years old? And I know you're thinking, Donna, you are a grown woman. You could buy your own coat. But you know what? I was promised a leather jacket and never got it. My friend also promised me, he was in cooking school at the time, that he would give me a, bake me an upside down pineapple cake. And I'm like, great. 40 years later, I have yet to get my upside down pineapple cake. I literally saw one on Facebook the other day. And what did I do? I tagged him. <laughs> I am still waiting for my upside down cake. Now, it's one thing when it's a jacket. It's a whole other thing when someone breaks a promise and it has devastating effects. It's also painful to wait for something that has been promised to you. See, the people of Israel waited a long time for God's promises to be fulfilled, longer than me waiting 40 years for my jacket or my upside-down pineapple cake. The people of Israel were given a promise, and they had these expectations of who would fulfill these promises. Now, the book of Matthew is full of scripture from the Old Testament where the fulfillment of the Messiah is evident. And just in case some of you have the strength of inputs from strength finders, there are the 25 scriptures that Matthew refers to that goes back to the Old Testament. Half of them in Matthew actually say something like this. This is to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Pretty direct. The other half will indicate it in some way. And we're going to look at one of them today. But actually, in the New Testament, there are 44 scriptures in the New Testament that fulfill the prophecies of the Messiah. But let me give you the context, first of all, of Matthew 12. First of all, this is the first thing that's happening. The Pharisees, they are so stuck on the rules of the Sabbath that they confront Jesus about what the disciples are doing. Because they were trying to catch the disciples in doing the wrong thing as they were picking grain on the Sabbath. Now, celebrating the Sabbath, that was just a part of their Jewish identity because it was a pillar of Judaism. It was also one of the commandments, and it defined Judaism in the first century. But Jesus points out in a story about David and his men taking the holy consecrated bread from the tabernacle. This is back in the Old Testament. And they were justified because they were on a mission, just as Jesus' disciples were on a mission. And this was important to Jesus. 
Janine Brown and Mark Strauss and the, their commentary um, on Matthew, they're two Bethel professors. They say compassion toward the disciples in their hunger and need for sustenance. They go about kingdom ministry is more important than the Pharisees' way of interpreting the applying Sabbath regulations. This was about provision for the disciples. They were hungry, and they were not focused on the rules of the Sabbath. Has Jesus ever asked you to be generous? But maybe you have this pharisaic attitude, and I don't even know if that's a word. And I realize that there can be tension. When we see the homeless on the street corners, we don't want to be enablers. We wonder, is the money really going to go to their family? We realize we're not fixing a system. We're just meeting a need. Is it going to be spent on drugs or alcohol? Are they really going to help their family? The church that I used to attend, CCI, they put together these bags of hope. And they would put a pair of socks, and they would put chapstick in a water bottle and granola, and just some other basic needs, toiletries. They would put it in a bag, and each parishioner would take a bag or two, and when they saw a homeless person, and the information on the church, and when they saw a homeless person, they would give them the bag. It was just meeting a physical need. And it was amazing to see how excited someone could become over a pair of socks. And the bottom line is, we don't know their story unless you take the time to get to know them. So that was the one thing that was happening. The second thing that was happening in this scripture is Jesus heals a man with a hand that is withering. So the Pharisees go after the disciples for taking the grain, and then they're going to go after Jesus because he wanted to heal a man on the Sabbath. So they question his actions. And Jesus turns the question back on them and asks, would you not go after a sheep if it fell into a pit? And Jesus' argument is based on the value of human life. Jesus knows the regulations of the Sabbath, for goodness sake. He is the Lord of the Sabbath, but he also chooses justice and mercy. And he wants them to understand the spirit of the Sabbath and what that is all about. And as a result of what Jesus did, allowing the disciples to take the grain, healing on the Sabbath, this is where we pick up the scripture. So if you open your Bibles to Matthew 12. It's good. I'm going to read from verse 15 through 21. Aware of this, Jesus, they wanted to, had a plot to kill Jesus. Jesus withdrew from the place. A large crowd followed him, and he heard all who were ill. And he, I'm sorry, he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I, put, I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quell or cry out, 
No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through the victory, through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise is significant in three ways from this passage. The first way, I've got to get my um, sippy cup. I've been battling a cold all week, so take a moment. Moment is over. Okay. So, Jesus says the fulfillment of God's promise is significant in three ways from this passage. First of all, Jesus is a loving servant. In verse 18, it says, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, the one I delight. And it's a similar um, language from Matthew 3, which says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up from out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and delighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. So you could see the similar language. Jesus was recognized and delighted even before he did anything. He received the love of the Father. In turn, he was able to serve and love others from the outpouring of the Father's love. And our response, Mill City, is to learn to receive God's love so we can serve like Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit because we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And not be hindered by, am I doing the right thing? Because we can get caught up by doing the right thing because we're fearful of messing up, but we are doing it out of the overflow of our love. The second thing, Jesus proclaims justice. In verse 18, uh, the second part of that verse, it says, I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. First of all, justice starts with God. The Hebrew word for justice is mishpat. Now, uh, Old Testament scholars, if you're in the audience and I pronounce that wrong, I am very, very sorry. Okay, no Old Testament scholars. But this word mishpat occurs over 200 times in the Old Testament, and it means something bigger than we think. Justice is connected to the word righteousness which is about doing the right things. It's not, it not only means to treat each other equitably, but giving people what they are due, what is right no matter their social status, they are to be treated fairly. It's about the holistic restoration of people's physical, emotionally, and socially. In order for us to do justice the right way, we need God's wisdom. About six years ago, in campus ministries at Bethel, where I work, we did a series on justice. And Pastor Laurel said we can fall into three camps when it comes to justice. And I want you to think about where you fall. We can be the oh yes people 
You're the ones who are passionate about a particular social justice issue, whether it's poverty or sex trafficking or racism or homelessness, environmental concerns, or sometimes dealing with our unjust justice system. You're the ones who are ready to march or tackle the world. You want to stop traffic. You want to bring everyone around you to fight this cause. You are passionate. This is your call. You are actively involved in change. And you want to make things right in our society. Do you fall in that category? Or do you fall in this category, the, oh, right. You're the ones who are aware of the many issues. Even You even have a heart for it. But you're the somebody who thought anybody and everybody was going to do it. But nobody did. You want to make a difference. But you're trying to figure it out, and it's overwhelming, and so you don't do anything. Or are you in the category of the, oh, no. You're the ones who are aware of the issues, and maybe you get caught up in the R word. Reconciliation, reparations, it's too much for you. And you're tired, and it's not your thing, and you kind of just wish things would just go away. Or maybe you're somebody who would want anybody to do it except you. Or you think it's trendy, but it's not biblical. And myself, I can fall into, oh, right. Trust me, it makes me sick to live in this wealthy country and to think that anyone is going to bed hungry tonight. As I think of the abundance of food in my refrigerator or in the stores or in the restaurants, it makes me sick to think that there are kids and that are adults that are stuck in the shelter system and they can't get out of this cycle for whatever reason. It makes me sick that there are men and women involved in sex trafficking and however they got involved, they, they don't see a way out. And it's happening in our own backyards. It's not happening over there. It's not happening in that other country. I hate the injustice of our prison system where it's been referred to as the new slavery where African-Americans make up 13% of our country but account for 40% that are incarcerated. Somehow these issues out there don't touch us directly, but they do affect us. And one day we are going to give an account to what we failed to do for God because we were stuck pursuing our own goals and aspirations. What I believe is most important, Mill City, and what we do, what cause, whatever cause you are passionate about, we cannot do it without the Spirit of God leading us. If Jesus needed the Spirit of the Lord to, to come down, how much more do we need God's Spirit to be able to lead us in whatever he has called us to do when it comes to justice? Amen. Well, thank you. Hallelujah. Some of us are just going to have our bags of moments, our, our bags of hope. Some of us, that's all we can do. And others are going to help with systematic change. But our response is to join in on what's, what is wrong and being made right. So Jesus fulfilled God's promises by being a loving servant, by proclaiming justice. And finally, 
Jesus is worthy of our hope. In verse 21, it says, In his name, the nations will put their hope. As a result of sin, there are so many things that are just out of order. The people of Israel tried to put their hope in idols and everything else. And that always, always failed them. They needed to realize their dependence needed to be on God, who has fulfilled the promises made through Jesus, which is what this is all about, the fulfillment of God through Jesus. But our response is to put our hope in God actively by loving others, by joining in on justice, by holding on to hope. But we can't do this again without the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise. And Jesus proves that God is a promise keeper. There are people that are not going to keep their promises. They mean well. Amen? They mean well. My mother meant well when I was 16 years old. But she didn't keep her promise. But we are waiting again for Jesus to return to make all things right. Because God always keeps his promises. Amen? Always. You can count on that. So when I think of this passage and where I've been and where it plays out in my life when it comes to God's promises and about justice, this is where I have learned to trust the promises of God, where God is about making things right. Both of our children are adopted. And when I met, we met our son, he was three and a half months old. And I knew as soon as I held him that this was my kid. Halfway through the process of, if you've adopted children, you know all the hoops that you have to jump through, the home study, all the meetings you have to go through, the physical, everything that you have to do to get the child that you believe God has for you. Halfway through this process, someone said to me, who did not know me this well, that well, said, I had a dream, and the Lord, the Lord, um, I want to get this right, and the Lord showed me that there's going to be a great celebration in the end when you get your son. That was in November. We met him in July. That was in November. We were hoping to have him by Christmas. But his father, biological father, showed up. In December. Had I not gotten that promise, I knew. And now, now granted, sometimes you can't trust what everybody says. But I knew that this was a word from the Lord because she didn't know me that well. She didn't know the situation that well. But she gave me that. And it was enough for me to get through December, get through January when the dad was supposed to show up for court and never did, get us through February, and get us through March 15th when he walked in our door because of the promise. God has never, never failed. He walked through that door at 11 months old. That is the promise of God. When it comes to justice, our daughter, who went into placement, they have the same birth mom, who went into placement 
three weeks, at three weeks old, we should have gotten contacted. We didn't. Five months, we learn about her. We have to go to court because our family and another family wanted her. We go to court. Everybody's got a lawyer. The lawyer's got a lawyer. The kid's got a lawyer. Hennepin County's got a lawyer. We, everybody's got a lawyer. If other family had a lawyer. Justice. Doing things that are right. What happened? After, um, after going to court, a full day of testimony, the judge says, I am, this is an unusual situation. You've got two families that are very qualified to take these kids. But I have to make this decision based on the facts. A judge who has to seek wisdom. Because what do you do? But Hennepin County admitted on the stand that we should have been called when she went into placement. And as a result of that, and as a result of the sibling connection, we were able to get her a week later. We won the case. <laughs> Promise, justice. And I hope, my hope is in the Lord for their future. We're gonna be promised a lot of things by people but the promises of God, they're never going to fail, and we are called to trust. We're called to serve, we're called to join in on justice, and we're called to hold on to hope. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Michael and the band to come up as I just close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it will not return void, but it will accomplish what it's supposed to. Lord, I don't know what you have called each of us to do. I don't know what you have promised each of us, but what I do know is what your word says. That you will never leave us nor forsake us. And all your promises truly are yes and amen. So I ask, Lord, that you would help us as a congregation to tap in to what we are supposed to do when it comes to serving, when it comes to justice, when it comes to holding on to hope. Because you are a faithful God. You cannot lie. And your word is true. Help us to hold on to that. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.